My name is Jade and I'm hijacking this podcast to tell you about my podcast about a book. On the show, I tell you the real story behind the world's most iconic books. So far, I've done The Handmaid's Tale, Frankenstein, The Great Gatsby, and 1984 to name a few. Ever wonder why Orwell used talking animals to discuss politics? Or how growing up in Ireland inspired Dracula? And how did The Great Gatsby go from being an epic fail to one of the most praised books of all time? Join me as I uncover the wild truth behind fiction. Give it a listen on whatever platform you're listening to this on right now. And for more information, follow me on aboutabook.podcast on Instagram. Talk to you then! Hi, Sophia. Welcome back to Bright Young Things, everybody. Hi, Austin. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? I am frizzy. <laughs> it's really humid and my hair is a disaster, but also like it kind of just feels like when it's raining a lot, you know how you just have like that emotional frizz, maybe? Is that the word? I don't know. <laughs> how are you, Austin? What's up? I am so good today. I'm so excited for this week's topic. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I got on this call. And um, immediately I noticed that Austin was wearing laurels. Um, so he <laughs> already looks like a Roman emperor in pre- like preparation, which is iconic. That's dedication. Before we get into that, what have you been reading this week? I've been reading. This week I've been reading The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's a reread for me. And I'm so excited about it because I actually haven't had the chance to read it in like three or four years now. Um, and it's just as good as the first time. And like we've already spoken about this and I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you know, my memory is that of like a goldfish. So I do this really fun thing where I love something so much, but I just forget details. So I feel like I'm reading it for the first time. It's great. So the, the growth of dragon tattoo is going to be like a back to back series for us. Cause we did a book trade a couple, must've been a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> like- I assigned Sophia a book and Sophia assigned me a book. So this is our first book club for that trade yes it is we'll we'll talk about what we're talking about after but anything else you're reading this week or just that um just that yeah keeping it simple keeping it fresh (laughs) um if you follow me on goodreads you will see that i'm technically reading other books but i am not i've fallen off the way (laughs) 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 what are you reading austin so we just talked with shaley about these valor delights which would have been Last week's episode. Go listen mm-hmm. to that, everybody, if you haven't. So, so good. I put, He's the best. I put a couple of my other books on hold. I'm still I'm about three quarters of the way through Little Star by John Ivita Lingvist, nice. which is good so far. It's not okay. amazing, I'd say, but mm-hmm. it's intriguing. And I'm also reading Phyllis Smith's, I think oh. the author's name is, book. It's called I Am Livia, which oh. is a historical fiction about uh, the wife of the first Roman Emperor Augustus, and she was the first Empress of Rome. Nice. That's really cool. So nervous because Austin is the smart friend in our friendship group. And so I was like, uh, our friendship group of two people, um, you're the smarter (laughs) one. So I was like, oh God, like, please don't let it be like, like a full on, like whatever. So I was like, okay. 
and I was really nervous and he was very generous and he gave me like this really nice book. And so I really enjoyed it. I liked it more than I thought. It took me a little bit longer to get through because um, I'm in the courses right now and I was like working, but I really enjoyed it. And I also like, I think I got like maybe a quarter into the actual physical book and then I switched to the audio and I loved it. Um, so yeah, it was a great time. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Um, so the story follows the third emperor of Rome, Caligula, mm-hmm. his life and death. And he's gone down in history as the Rome's mad emperor who yep. had all these crazy orgy parties and yes. super bloodlust and made his horse a senator. Yep. So this book exactly. just kind of tries to peel back the curtains and take a different look at the character of Caligula. It almost feels like Caligula is like, um, like, yes, I'm sure he's really bad, but they were all really bad. But like, you know, when you have that one friend who has an ex and they're like that ex is insane do you know what they did and they go off and they like spout all this like crazy stuff that you're like i don't think that happened jeremy but okay um so i was like maybe... the roman senator jeremy <laughs> yes exactly exactly jeremiahus um and so yeah i was like i thought it was cool to kind of see behind the curtain like you said it was good that's an interesting insight because like obviously history is written by the winners. Mm-hmm. So the emperors that would have followed Caligula wanted to highlight how bad of an emperor he was in order yeah. to emphasize how good they were. So a lot of the stories of Caligula are built around rumors that actually have no proof that they happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like some of the most famous stories about him are that he like, he slept with the sisters and he turned the Roman yeah. Senate into a brothel. Mm-hmm. And this book shows at least in Turney's events that Mm -hmm. those were just rumors about uh, by his enemies yeah I think you're right and like that's something that we see like a lot like in kind of like how we perpetuate history within society like there's stuff about like okay um like Hatshepsut who's like one of the only like female pharaohs in Egypt and like so much of the stuff that she did was like destroyed because like her you know, successors didn't want it to become a habit for like a woman to be in power or like Uh rumors that were spread about Catherine the Great that were not always true. And like, they were like highly fictionalized to like either like demonize her or like invalidate her, like, you know, exactly as a ruler. And I think that like, this is a really interesting choice because I really appreciated that you kind of like, yes, this was a historical fiction, but it felt very like you know, even as I was reading it, it felt very true to like what I had learned in school about him, but it was just like not sensationalized. And I was like, okay, like that's pretty cool. Ah, uh, speaking of women in history, the book is narrated by Caligula's youngest sister, Lavilla. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask like characters of the book, MVPs, LVPs. <sighs> okay. So I went into this being like, I think it's pronounced Agrippina. Is that true? Okay, I went into this, so there were three sisters that we learned about in the book, Drusilla, which I loved immediately because that is one of the characters in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Um, (laughs) and Drusilla, Agrippina, and Lavilla. I went in thinking, okay, Agrippina, she's a boss. She knows what she wants. She's going out to get it, like Drusilla, but Agrippina has more ambition. And then I was like, Lavilla, she's there. She's all right. Um, it almost felt like Lavilla was like, you know, Nick in The Great Gatsby, where yes. you're like, you're mildly interesting. Don't know why you're the narrator, but kind of cool, but interesting. So I was like, okay, Lavilla, you're all right. But um, by the end of the book, I wanted to uh, throat punch Agrippina so badly. 
but I was like I was just so mad and like the thing is is that like we were just talking to Shaley about this you and I are like Enneagram 6 which apparently means we value loyalty above all (laughs) for me personally this is so true that like when we get to the point where spoilers um where we get to the point where Agrippina sells out Lavilla and Lavilla didn't even do anything wrong I was like Lavilla is a daughter of Germanicus she she was doing everything to keep that family together she put family above everything and I was like that's it that's what I wanted and so So obviously Agrippina was a real historical character mm -hmm. she was the sister of Caligula yeah. The husband or the wife of Claudius and the mother of the emperor Nero. So she was related to three emperors directly. Ugh. And she probably was one of the most powerful women in the Roman world, which I find really interesting, despite obviously her flaws. Because according to records, she was super ambitious and ruthless and yeah. conniving. Stand in her way. Yeah, Just exactly. Conniving. Like there are so many parts in this book where I was like, I had to like set the book down when I was reading the physical and be like, okay. She's alive because she does this. She's doing it probably as a survival mechanism. Do not be angry at her. But I was like, if you sell out your sister, there is a special place for you because that is not okay. Don't do that. And I was so mad at her. But then I was like, okay, well, obviously, like during this time, that's what you had to do to survive. And I get it. But like also, like, it was just so hard to read about because like I felt like Lavilla, like, was so supportive and even when Caligula was doing like stupid stuff she was like oh my god you're such an idiot but you're my brother and I want us to stick together and all this stuff and like to see him just like immediately cast her aside when she was accused of betraying him I was like what a joke like what a joke it's so rude I guess if we should explain the plot point is that Agrippina plots with Caligula's like childhood friend Lepidus Mm-hmm. to overthrow Caligula and put Lepidus on the throne. So Agrippina can pave the way to put her son on the throne eventually, who is a baby. But then the plot comes out, Caligula discovers it, with the help of Lavilla, because Lavilla discovers the plot, but mm-hmm. doesn't want to write it on her sister, so kind of hints at the other people involved in the plot. Yeah. So immediately as soon as it comes out, yeah, like you said, Agrippina puts all the blame on Lavilla, and Caligula doesn't know who to blame, so he condemns both of them. Like, my goodness. And it's like, it's so heartbreaking. I know we're probably going to talk about this later, but there's a part too where like he's being like, there's an attempt to kill him and there's like all these people coming at him and like stabbing and there's like, there's blood everywhere. And I feel, I feel for him because like if everyone wants to kill you or get something from you or take something from you, it is hard to trust someone and you would get paranoid. I think anyone would, but like your sister who stood by you, like for all that time, like that's so like, I don't know. It, it, I think that, aspect too is like the tragedy of it all is what makes it so like heartbreaking and like it kept me reading but at the same time it was so hard to read because I like yes it's historical fiction but again like we said like these are real events that happened and I don't know like thinking about that like being that like alone in the world even though you're probably in one of the most privileged spots at that time like that would be really hard we're probably going to talk at length about the character of Caligula, but I just wanted to talk about a few more characters first. Mm-hmm. We did see two other emperors in the book, Tiberius, yeah. who came before Caligula, and Claudius, who came after. Yeah. So what were your opinions on them? Claudius was, like, such a, like, slime ball. <laughs> like, I was like, 
he he like was waiting for his chance to shine and like Lavilla like when she walks away as he's like calling after her once he like gets the throne after Caligula I was like yeah why would she respect you like what a joke like and then like Tiberius before that like he seemed like less malicious to me I don't really know his story but like you know the fact that the Praetorian guard was kind of like taking over and doing things in his stead while he was like I want to say like he was like descending into madness or at least like maybe just like something where he wasn't fully with it I was like okay so he's not as malicious because he doesn't really know what's going on and he's kind of getting tricked by people and like he's doing stuff like that um so yeah that was kind of leads towards that's one of the biggest like themes of the book do you think power is inherently corrupting yeah I think so and I mean like I I think we see that too when even like promising young politicians um you know, it's in every drama, it's in everything. You have to get your hands dirty to make it to the top and then you can fix it. But then you get to the top and you're like, oh, you know, I can't think of a, like, yeah, we have like benevolent rulers in history, but that doesn't mean they didn't do terrible things also. So I also wanted to ask, the first part of the book deals with Caligula's like rise to power, but it also deals with the his enemies slowly eliminating everybody in his family, except for mm-hmm. him and his sisters. Yeah. How did you find that affecting? No, you you were saying the, I'm a daughter of Germanicus. I don't need this thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, this is like one of my, like, not complaints, but like parts of the book where I was like, okay. Um, where like every inconvenience at all faced by anyone in the family, they were always like, I'm a daughter of Germanicus. I do not need this in my life. And <laughs> it's like, and I was like, no, by the end, I loved it. But like in the beginning, I was like, okay, you guys, we know. Like, <laughs> But um, yeah, and I was like, all right. So I think it was really heartbreaking, especially the mother when she was carted off into exile to that island. And then again, another spoiler, but when Lavilla is carted off to the same island in the end, I was like, that is so, like, I don't know if that was like Caligula being like, okay, like I hold you in the same regard as her or it's like a cruel joke of like, yeah, you know what happened to mom? You're next. So I was like, I wonder like how he meant that. Um, but yeah, it was heartbreaking when the mom was taken away. Did you find Caligula's reactions to the deaths of his family members heartless or just kind of pragmatic given the circumstances he was in? I think pragmatic. I mean, like I seem, it seems like every sibling was kind of out for their own like good. Um, and, like, I think, like, Caligula's affection for Drusilla was, like, kind of the only obvious thing. Like, yeah, he kind of looked up to his older brothers, but he was, like, well, yeah, they're going to be dead. Like, everyone wants to kill them. And he uh. was kind of, like, matter-of-fact about it. Like, in the beginning of the book, we see him as a young boy, and he's, like, witnessing all that. And he's very, like, not, I don't want to say, like, sure of himself, but he's, like, yeah, I know how this is going to play out. And so I think, like, again, probably why he made it to the top and you know, was successful, quote unquote, was because he was so strategic, right? Uh, you would know more than me, Austin. You're the expert, but that's that kind of goes against the the Rome's Mad Emperor thing, because obviously mm-hmm. he was a very skilled politician and like political yeah. player. If he was to be chosen as emperor and become emperor without being killed beforehand, like obviously yeah. there were attempts as depicted in the book, but according yeah. to history, he was a very like noble and effective ruler. For like mm-hmm. the first six months to year of his reign, and then, as I show in the book, he gets sick. In the book, he's it's a poison attempt. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's what it was in real life or not. It might have just been him falling sick, and then mm-hmm. he rebounded from that, and then it started to go downhill from there. But I wanted to ask, do you think 
in the book was Caligula mad? No, I don't. I think he was just, like you said, like power is corruption. I think he was spoiled. And I think he was very strategic on like keeping that luxury of life. Like he was very like, you know, like I feel like too, a lot of times things he did would seem crazy and he would just be messing with people or he would be testing people. And I think that's that, one like, of the, the plot devices at the end. It's when La Villa gets sent to her island. Her husband mm-hmm. comes and visits her mm-hmm. and tells her all the things that Caligula is doing. Yep. And everybody thinks he's insane. But then La Villa says, everybody sees the insanity thing, but I can see my brother's sixth sense of humor behind it all. Yeah. I think that's for sure a thing. I think that like, too, like when you have that much power, we can't even imagine it today, probably. Like really, like we can read descriptions, but we can't know what it was like, especially because like we can't imagine the rough experience of like people lower down the social ladder. So to them, it must have seemed seemed even more luxurious, even more like opulent, even more like insane. And so Especially I think Especially because he would have been close to our age when he be when he ascended to the throne. Which is insane. And like having that much power as a young person, imagine and like thinking you're entitled to and you're like God's gift to like whatever. And then I think like that component really makes it like if he wants to act like whimsical and do whatever he wants, he's going to do that. And like, I think that's truly a test of like loyalty of others, like what others would do, like what the threshold is for like how crazy you can get away with things. And so I think like really what it comes down to is like a power play. That's how exactly, I Exactly. Yeah. Right. Do you think there was anything Clea could have done to avoid his fate? I don't think so. Not with a sister like Agrippina. Forget it. <laughs> and going off that, do you think there was like a central antagonist of the book? Agrippina. But I'm just saying that because I think her betrayal stung the most for me. Um, because like, I think too, like, I, I think we're in an age, like we're in a generation and like, I think too, just like my background, like, it's like women help women. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just very centered around that. So I think that's why that betrayal stung the most. But like, Agrippina was very much like she read as one of those girls who's like I'm not like other girls and I'm like calm down Agrippina like you know what I mean she's like yeah I'll put up with my husband like abusing me and like she did one of the worst things I've ever read like she framed like that like a slave for taking her brush and then the slave lost lost their position was like beaten and it was just the most disgusting thing and I was like I hate this character with like a fiery passion and you know like there's just so much of that where I was like it's like having like a sickness on the inside like her being in the family and not preserving like she is a daughter of Germanicus she should not have been doing that she (laughs) had higher standards she should have been like working with La Villa that's an interesting question because Agrippina puts her loyalty to her son over her loyalty to her siblings Mm. I'm not going to ask you if you think that's a proper way of thinking, but... I don't know. I don't even know. When she was saying that, I was like, it just sounded so insane. But, like, I think that's true. I think, like, a mother's love does trump everything. And, like, usually I would be like, yeah, I think that's the way it should be. But right now I'm like, not to this level, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I don't know. So I wanted to talk more about the the roles of women in imperial Roman society. Like, obviously, ancient Rome was a very misogynistic society. Like, women weren't allowed to hold 
established political positions. They, yeah. in most cases, weren't allowed to own their own property or anything. What did you think of like the subversive ways they would grab grab for power in this story? I thought it was cool. I think like I've been really lucky that I had a lot of history teachers who would kind of go off the books and be like, okay, so this is what we officially know, but here's like an alternative thing. And like, here's how like people would like maneuver and like work through that. And so I think too, as we become like more like, I want to say like egalitarian or like feminist or something, maybe just like more aware of diversity. Like as we get older, I, I see like all these historians working in archives or with things to interpret how people who didn't technically hold power maneuvered in these societies. So I thought like the author did a really good job of like explaining how the sisters kind of like worked their way in to make sure that they weren't like cast out in the cold. Um, And yeah, so I thought that was cool. Like it was really interesting to see what Agrippina would put up with for property and status and how Lovilla like ended up with her husband. And it was neat. I also wanted to ask what you thought of the, their two grandmothers who they live with at the beginning Mm -hmm. part of the book. Mm -hmm. I like them a lot. I think too, like that was a really cool thing of like, whenever we look at history, I think we're always like a little bit obsessed with like legacies. We want to see how the families like, like interact together and how that like generational thing is that place. So I thought that was really well done. I like the grandmother. There were, yeah, there was Livia, who was the wife of Augustus, who I'm reading the other book about. And there was Antonia, who was the grandmother on the other side of the family, who was actually Mm -hmm. Mark Antony's daughter. Oh, okay. I did not put that together for some reason, but that's awesome. Yeah. In the history, it goes that the Emperor Augustus married his sister to Mark Antony. So oh. their children form half like the family tree of that family, that line. Right. That's so wild. I, I like it. And I think like one of the only things that I like really stood out in this book of like Caligula doing like a nice thing I liked was like when he like forced the funeral for his grandmother and was like, no, like this is what she deserved. I was like, okay, that's like really nice. Okay, so we kind of touched on this before, mm-hmm. but how if Caligula was mad, did, did you find him that he became a villain by the end of the book? Yeah, I think so. I I don't even think it was by the end. I think like midway through, I was like, oh, um, <laughs> but I mean, like that's the fascinating too. The fascinating thing too, I think like I think we I don't think he was mad, but I do think that like there is like a dissent that happens there where it's like. You know, even, like, Lavilla says, like, oh, he's, like, fallen. Like, he's not who he used to be. Um, like, I know the answer, but do you think there is a point of no return where we just went off the deep end and couldn't come back? I don't think I could place my finger on one. Like, honestly, like, it felt like a really slow transition. And then, like, halfway through, I was like, oh, he's been making bad decisions for a while now. Like, you know, <laughs> when sometimes, like, you have that moment of, like, hmm, like, you're, you're seeing someone or something, and you're like, okay, red flag, but we can come back from that. Like, people are learning. <laughs> And then, like, he kicks out that family, like, and he puts his horse in, like, that marble, like, mansion or whatever. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's the myth we talked about with Lady Billy Day, about how he made yeah. his horse a senator. But mm-hmm. In this chain of events, it's just a mocking thing against the Senate. Yeah. Because he has so little regard for the Senate. Mm. I think, in my opinion, the main villain of the book would have either been the Senate or the Praetorian Guard. I think the Praetorian Guard is very, like... It had a lot of qualities of, like, I was going to compare it to, like, SS officers almost. Like, it's weird because, like, they're very, like, trying to shut up opposition, trying to, like, really, like, 
target people and it felt very like scary. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not good. So there are three or four different prefects. They start off with Sayanus, who was Tiberius's right. prefect. And he abused the power that Tiberius entrusted him with. So Tiberius had him killed. And then there was the next prefect, Macro, who worked with Caligula to overthrow Tiberius and then betrayed Caligula. Right. And there was Stella and Clemens, who yeah. I believed stayed loyal by the end. But then when Claudius came to power, he had them both removed because they were too loyal to the previous emperor. Right. It feels like there's like a no-win situation. Like that is not a good system. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Do you find that Claudius was the winner of the entire story then? Maybe. I don't, like, honestly, I feel like after I read that, I was like, there is no winner. Like, none of these people have a happy end. And that's just kind of how it went. I don't know. Do you want me to divulge you everybody's endings? Yes. Tell me. Tell me okay, so obvious... has it worse. Tell me karma comes for her. So, obviously, Claudius becomes emperor. Mm-hmm. He marries Agrippina, his niece, Ugh. and he adopts Nero. Okay. So Claudius is emperor for about 12 years, and then oh. at the end of the book, remember Lavilla's the person she shares the island with, Lacusta? Yes. She gets released. I'm not sure. Oh. This is what they say in the history, but I don't know if okay. it's true or not. Agrippina works with Lacusta to have Claudius poisoned. So he dies, which makes Nero emperor. Okay. Some people say that Claudius died of natural causes, though. It's kind of unclear. That's just villainizing Agrippina in the histories. But yeah. So Nero becomes emperor, mm. but Agrippina is super domineering as the emperor's mother. Yeah. And trying to, she tries to control him too much. Uh-oh. So eventually Nero has Agrippina killed. <gasps> okay, how rough is that? If you like... But honestly, Agrippina, girl, like she kind of... I don't want to say she had it coming, but she did bad things. Like, she was not, she was not good. And everybody knows Nero's Rome's second mad emperor. I think he was worse than Caligula, but. Probably. Wouldn't you be? Look he... at, like, everything that came before the <laughs> guide. So that eventually he's declared an enemy of the state from Rome and then commits suicide. And that's the end of the line of Augustus with Nero. So I wanted to, uh, one of the questions, uh, we kind of touched on this before you didn't really think Lavilla was a well-written character as a narrator? At first, I didn't. Like, by the end, I was really invested in her. But, like, I didn't love the way she was, like, introduced before. I don't know. It just felt like she didn't have a lot of depth. And, like, I think, too, maybe it was just, like, a matter of, like, you know, sometimes you romanticize people who are really, like, extreme but then you realize, oh. like, as you're older, like, oh, you actually, like, should appreciate people who are just, like, there and, like, chilling. Um, and it could be, too, like, I felt like I didn't really connect with her a lot. But I think maybe, like, sometimes when you're writing experiences, like, have you ever seen those, like, memes of, like, male authors in, like, the classic era trying to write about, like, <laughs> women's issues? And it's just, like, described kind of weird. So I was like, maybe I'm not connecting because of this. But, like, there were things Lavilla did where she was, like, I don't know. She would be talking about her husband and she'd be like, yeah, I loved him with all my heart. And I was like, okay. And then it would just be, like, a weird description where I'd be like, I don't know if I would say that if my (laughs) husband did that, though. Like, I don't know. But then towards the end, like, it was really well done where I feel like um, the author did this thing of, like, 
it was talking about Lavilla and how her husband tried to stay loyal to Nero or Nero to Caligula, but then in the end he was just like, Look, like he is not the same person. He cannot be here anymore. And she was like, No, like he's the son of Germanicus. This is what he deserves. And he was like, Yeah, I'm making my decision because I can't just like like my loyalty is to Rome, not to Caligula. And I was uh. like, like shivers. Like I was like, oh God, like that is like the worst thing you could say to this person because even though he's exiled her on a lie to an island where her mom perished sorry the volume probably just got so loud i'm so mad <laughs> um even though all that she's still sticking by her brother and i'm like wow and so i was like okay lavilla really grew on me by the end but it was only when she underwent like this massive betrayal and i like get that it happened at the end of her life so it had to be written that way but then part of me was like I wish we could have stayed there longer so I could have, like, grown to appreciate her more. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But I, I thought it was good. I also wanted to go back to Claudius as the villain. I found that really interesting, the way the author used his character. Because yeah. in the, the popular history, Claudius was, like, the family outcast. He was the stammerer and the one who was, oh. like, physically disabled. Mm-hmm. And after Caligula was murdered by the Praetorian Guard, he was kind mm-hmm. of an innocent who... The Praetorians is put on the throne. Interesting. Okay. But it seems likely that in real life, or it's highly unlikely in real life that Claudius wouldn't have anything to do with Caligula being killed. Right? Especially like it, if he was put on the throne immediately. It just seems too suspicious. Plus like, another thing, like history is written by the victors. Like he wouldn't, mm-hmm. once he came to power, he wouldn't have highlighted his role in the death of the previous emperor. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't really know how that's, Another question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. was that Lavilla declaims Claudius at the end as being responsible for Caligula's death for putting himself on the throne. Yep. But Caligula did the same thing with Tiberius. Mm-hmm. Do you find that an unfair comparison? <sighs> no. And I don't know if it's because we're biased because Lavilla is the narrator. Um, and I think maybe that's why you have such a unique perspective on it because you know so much more already and like you've seen different interpretations and different theories. I'm not super familiar with it, but I do feel like in terms of that, like Caligula just waited out his brothers and was just like, okay, like do what you got to do. I know what I need to do. And so I was like, that to me felt different than like, it felt, it felt different because I was like, oh, okay. Like he just waited it out. And then also like, Tiberius wasn't doing a good job he was not doing well so it was like well he has to go anyway and then I was also like I think to just reading about the betrayals that Caligula went through like that made him like a little bit more like like not noble but like a little bit like I felt more for him you know what I mean Uh and we didn't really hear about what Tiberius had to go through so I was like oh yeah I'd say all this with the perspective somebody knows more of the history so Mm -hmm. yeah I shouldn't yeah, be asking so deep question. No, no, it's awesome. I really like it. And I, it definitely made me feel like, okay, like what's going on with everyone else? But like, I feel like just from LaVilla's perspective, that's the feeling I got. So I wanted to ask, you said you have thoughts on the book. Did you have any criticisms on anything that was portrayed or that happened? Like, again, it's historical fiction. So I thought like it was really wonderfully done. But there was like one part where I... Um, Lavilla was like talking about like some soldiers or something and she was like I could tell from the way they fought that they fought with my father and I was like 
could you really, could you really <laughs> tell? And I was like, interesting, interesting choice, but okay. <laughs> and then um, also just like kind of what we touched on already, like, I think sometimes when you're writing from different perspectives, it can be hard to carry it out naturally and authentically. And so like, I thought the author did really well overall, but like, to me, like reading this book, I was like, okay, this is all really great. But like, I wanted to like know more about the experience of like Lovilla as like a woman during that time. Like he did a really good job at like trying to broach it like naturally and like just in a, in a way, whatever. But I was like, like, what is she like wearing? And like, he even like threw in like some actual technical terms of like the wardrobe. And I was like, that's awesome. But then I was also like, but like, what does she do like if she needs to like go to the bathroom on like a voyage like you know what I mean like I'm just like so like intrinsically curious about it and like they would just like be talking about like the wedding or something and then like it would be like this moment of like yeah he was an honorable man and I I liked him a lot more than I thought I would and I was like okay but like you should be in agony or joy right now like this could like set the tone for your entire future like it's not like marriage today where you were like oh yeah like I love him a lot it was like am I gonna survive am I gonna have a good life like and so I was like there should just be more description about like her feelings I think and I think that's like kind of like telling too because like I read a lot of romance I read a lot of contemporary so everything is focused on feelings a lot and so I think that's like really showing um in my reading of this book so I took that with a grain of salt and I was like no I really enjoyed it you know what like I honestly did um it was just like the reader in me of like tell me more about your husband like do you actually like him like it just seems like we get two sentences here and there and then I mean obviously their brutal ending where I was like what a betrayer like Alexa play traitor by Olivia Rodrigo because <laughs> Lavilla's husband was a traitor I hate that guy do you think Caligula's wife and baby deserve to be killed no one wow. <laughs> they they only do because of people like Agrippina who like <laughs> stick out in the side and wait it out. Like a jerk move. I don't know. I hate the killing of innocents though. That's that's all stuff that happened in history, unfortunately. So Yeah, I know. And like let's be honest, it still happens today sometimes, so uh-huh. but you know. All's fair in love and emperorship. I don't know. <laughs> love and power politics. <laughs> Love's fair and and not fair in Germanicus land. I don't know. So this is the first book in the series that he's Simon Turney's done. The series is called The Damned Emperors. Mm. So it's just obviously about emperors that haven't gone so don't gone down so well in history. The other one's about the Emperor Commodus, who lived about a yeah. hundred and fifty years later. Okay. So that one's really interesting too. That one has more of a romantic element because that one's told from the point of view of the Emperor's lover. Oh, that would be interesting to read. The difference is that she is a horrible person. <laughs> oh, no. Without, like, without trying to be, though, like, because oh. of the circumstances. It's really, it's interesting, but. Okay. I mean, like, maybe then. I don't know. I think, too, like, what I wanted to ask you was, how long did emperors, like, reign in Rome? I should know this. I know it was a test question for me at some point. It varied. Okay. The first Emperor Augustus was about 40 years. I think Tiberius was 22 years. Okay. Caligula was three and a half. Wow. And I think Ty- uh, Claudius 
Yes, and Nero reach about 12 years. Oh. Oh, sorry, I should rephrase. Like, how long, like, did Rome employ emperors? Like, I know the fall of Rome, but, like, the time span in total. Like, how long before, were they around? There were only two emperors before Caligula's, Caligula, so oh. they only been out 60 years, and I think it lasted, well, that's a tough question, because right. the Roman Empire still existed in name after it oh. fell. Okay. So I'd say 400 to 500 years afterwards. Mm. But then again, too, the empire split into east and west, so it kind of went into two mm. different empires at that point. God, I love having, an, like, a smart friend. Like, you're going <laughs> to do so well in your program, Austin. I could go on all day about this stuff. <laughs> so impressive. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, I really thought it was good. I guess, like, my question for you is, like, is this one of your favorite works? about this is one of my favorite books yeah okay i was gonna just say about caligula but you just answered in general like your favorite books ever. <laughs> Both, okay. yes okay and like as someone who's very familiar with the history and like different sources of literature about it do you feel like it's pretty accurate while being like a fictional account i'd say accurate to the sources no mm. because almost all the sources talk about how horrible of a person caligula was and he was completely mm. crazy and there was no redeeming things about him Right. And this kind of flips that on his head, showing there was a different side to him that would explain all that madness. Interesting. I wonder, like, what, like, like, inspired the author to take that approach rather than, like, just going the stereotypical or more accepted way. You That's know what, what I, I was thinking. I was wondering if the author actually has that opinion of Caligula as a person mm -hmm. or if he thought that would just make better fiction. Yeah. Like, maybe he just, like, wanted to tell the story of, like, the family and, like, how they would have interpreted it. I don't know. I mean, like, that's an interesting one for sure. I found that I found that entire dynasty really interesting. It's probably my favorite area of history, like, ever. It's so cool. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And, like, I remember loving this in school, like, when I was taking it. But, like, I felt like this was, like, super in-depth to the point where, like, you know what I mean? I felt very immersed in it in a different way. So it was really great. So I wanted to ask you what you what your thoughts are on the Roman emperorship, since mm. all three of the emperors we see in the book are murdered in one way or another. Yeah. Well, Claudius isn't murdered in the book, but the implications there because of the yeah. poison there that Livius is living with. Do you think it was an inherently dangerous role to be emperor then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, I was kind of shocked when you were talking about how long Tiberius was on the throne. Um because, like, to me, that just seems unsustainable. I guess, like, different times, too. Like, there's obviously different things going on. So, like, politics plays a role in, like, how safe it is for you to be in charge. But it just seems like a job I would not like to do, to be honest. <laughs> like, I would be like, yeah, give me, like, a seven positions down from the big guy. Like, I don't want to <laughs> be involved in any of that. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated about, like, royalty or, like, areas like that where, like, they start to believe they're like descended descended from God or like they're chosen or like it's a very special thing. And I think like as humans, like we like we're a meaning making species, like we need to find patterns and make meanings through that. So I think that like that's why we're so captivated by stuff like this. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. It's cool. There was one parallel. I don't I I guess I can ask your opinion on what you think, because mm. our next episode, we're going to be talking about Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Ooh, can't wait. So 
Lavilla draws parallels between Julius Caesar and Caligula at the end of the book. Did you think that was a, like an apt comparison? Mm, I do. And you know what? I think it's because they're both, um, I don't want to say arrogant, but arrogant. <laughs> and so I thought that was like really interesting because like she's basically acknowledging all the great things he's done because Caesar also did great things. Um, but then they get so like cocky that like it's like, <laughs> like, TMT syndrome have you heard of this like friends of mine used to say this at the bar where it was like too much testosterone so they start doing stupid stuff and it's just like it, like how you just... ask me if I've heard of an inside <laughs> joke that your friend group has I'm like look I don't know if other people say it or not um but like it's just a matter of like okay you need to calm down as the great Taylor Swift said and it, they just weren't and like how how can you blame them if they're in that position of power and they think they're godlike like that's what they're gonna do so i don't know what do you think i think given the circumstances and the social structure of rome at the time that rome needed an emperor because the senate wasn't really doing its job when augustus came to power it would stretch too thin mm -hmm. to be administrated effectively mm -hmm. I think it's just rivalries and like factions that ruin everything as it is today. Exactly. We haven't really progressed that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really interesting. I, I find Caesar to be like a more interesting figure personally, but I think that's because of the whole like Antony, Cleopatra, Caesar, like all that stuff going on. I really am interested in that. And yeah, I think it's like the the great man theory, right? Like everyone loves to talk about like Alexander the Great, Caesar, and all the stuff they were doing. And like, there's just so much material there. And I think because like, we're so fascinated by like, early history, it just makes for great reading. And like, uh -huh. those figures stay with us forever. Like a two Brute, like you're never gonna get rid of that saying. Like, it's just there. And it's, like, it's Shakespearean, we know. But, like, even Shakespeare was inspired by them. And, like, it just goes to show you, right? Like, that's, like, such a lingering figure that we're going to talk about forever. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds like a good thought to close on for me. Same. Thanks, Austin, for the recommendation. I really enjoyed it. Like, it was good. I'm glad. I'm really glad you read it. That's Yeah, it's one of my favorite books. So it was really fun to talk about it. Yeah, I am 100% going to be walking around saying, me? I'm a daughter of Germanicus. I can't empty the dishwasher. <laughs> I'm too good for this now. <laughs> That's how I feel a little yeah, bit. Get one of your slaves to do it and steal her hairbrush. Oh, God. Oh, Agrippina is the worst character. I Her, like, she's just so bad. <laughs> I can't. Okay. Well, thanks for chatting, Sophia. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, thank you. See you next week. I was going to try and think of what the last line of the book was, but... I have the book right here. And if I don't make it through the night, Fortuna watch over you? If you know that off by heart, I am going to... Oh, the moment of truth. Oh, wait. This is Simon. Simon. <laughs> Hold on. Just more suspense. Oh, yeah. I didn't tell you what happened to La Villa at the end, at the end of her story. You can probably oh draw conclusions, God. but. Oh, my God. And if I do not make it through the night, Fortuna, watch over you. How many times have you read this book? <laughs> <laughs> Too many. That was so impressive. That was a mic drop <laughs> moment.
Oh, I'll just wait until I can say my, my Julius Caesar speech for next week. Oh, my God. <laughs> so impressive. That's okay, a we kind of blew that line to sign off on. <laughs> no, we have to sign off on that. That was so impressive. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. And if I don't make it through the night, Fortuna, watch over you. Slow clap out.